Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by T from The Better Bookmaker. T, thanks very much for coming on. The Business of Betting podcast is proudly brought to you by the Betfair Hub from Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you want expert articles from pro punters, from building automated models to betting psychology, check out the Betfair Hub. Betfair.com.au slash hub. Gamble responsibly. Today I'm joined by T from The Better Bookmaker. T, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I'm curious to dig into to this part of the gambling world, but before we do, tell us a little bit about about you, about your background, about how gambling sort of shaped you throughout the earlier stages in life and, and obviously paved the way for what you're up to these days. Sure. Well, I'm kind of a baby at this. This is my third NFL season, and uh, I got into this because I needed a job. I was in academia. I was in education for years and years, and I went and I got my master's in that, and I was transitioning between schools, and I happened to be friends with a couple of bookmakers. So I did this out of pure necessity, and he said, come aboard, get yourself some players, and uh, be a sub-agent. And so that's what I did. I was a, It was a 60-40 split. I carried a 100% red figure, and I, I mean, that's I was... That's how I got started in it. Were there any other experiences throughout childhood, teenage years, throughout there? Or were you fantasy player and that type of stuff, and it just bleeds over naturally? Actually, yes. Fantasy, I'm a fantasy football degenerate, definitely. I love the NFL. Uh, but as far as, like, say, how that got me into bookmaking, no, not really. Interesting. Because there's plenty of people that say or have that sort of pathway towards gambling in whatever form it takes whether it's betting or bookmaking or both and there's probably something to say about not having to unlearn some of those things that we pick up along the way as teenagers and young adults that we don't necessarily want uh, some of the bad things that come some of the habits some of the the instinct stuff that, that leads us down the wrong path i'm guessing you had a basically a clean slate getting into it and and depending on you know how analytical someone is it can be a very good thing i'm guessing yeah, well, I've never been a gambler myself on the player side, so I never, I never got into that. Say in my teens or my twenties, I'm 36 now. So I, I came in. I'm, I've now that I've been in the industry a little bit, I'm, I'm rather rare where I came in just as a bookmaker. But I don't, I don't speculate because the little gambling I've done, I am just terrible at it. I really have no business gambling myself. So tell me about then learning the craft of, of bookmaking. Obviously, these days, especially, there's far more you know, technology, there's far more tools and, and things to help with the business of bookmaking. It's not necessarily as it was. It's a, it's a marketing game. It's a technology game, among other things. Was there a, a steep learning curve earlier on for you? No, no, not at all. Where Chris Andrews said it best, uh, then one day the author, and he's a legendary bookmaker where he, cause I'm in the PPH world where he said PPH bookmakers, they're really more bet takers nowadays. And I would agree with that where I don't, I don't actively manage my lines. I don't shade lines. I'm by no means an odd maker. I trust my office and they do a damn good job at that. So I'm really, my main job is to facilitate customer service, answer any questions that my players or my PPH uh, master agents have. 
and then most importantly, pay guys on time. Take us through the the setup. You talk about agents and master agents, sub agents. There's you know obviously the the PPH world in general isn't necessarily always well known. Tell us a little bit about how they can be structured. Sure. Yeah. PPH, pay per head, or price per head, and it's it's basically a software that you give to players. So there's a player side where the player would actually log in, take his parlay, take his bets, take his props, go onto the live platform. And then the agent side is just the accounting side. So imagine a spreadsheet and you log in and everything's updated in real time. You can check pending bets. You can basically run the back end of a bookmaking service. So if you wanted to take down lines, pull lines, if you wanted to shade, it's it's basically your accounting software. So at the end of the week, you go on there, and if you owe somebody 500 bucks or vice versa, you pay them out, you clear them, and uh, you know the ride continues the next week. And has it changed much over the last couple of years since you've been involved? Is it accelerating rapidly to be better? Is it much the same? Is it you know one size fits all? Tell us a little bit about the technology. It's constantly evolving. Constantly evolving. It's constantly getting better. Uh, dynamic live wagering is, I, I want to say, relatively new where it moves the same as a stock market where it's constantly being updated. Lines are getting posted. Lines are getting pulled. As far as like the history or how it's evolved as PPH, I can't really speak to it because I'm so new. Uh, like, you know, the guys that run Vegas, if those guys have doctorates in bookmaking, I'm probably in the third grade. So I'm still in elementary school, but I just talk about the third grade stuff. So I'm an expert at being a third grader and a second grader, first grader, and a kindergartner, and that's all I talk about. The guy that I would ask those questions, that's my gambling mentor. That's the dog father who's been in this business for, geez, I want to say 40 years back when you'd have to do it on pen and paper, back when rice paper was a thing, back when the call centers, that's how you got your bets in. You had to actually call. You had to phone in your bets. But uh, PPH, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's smooth now. PPH is really, really smooth where there's very few snags anymore. And um, it, it's, a, it's a double-sided. It's double-sided where, unfortunately, anybody can book now if they get a hold of somebody and get them set up with PPH, anybody can book, which isn't necessarily good. In terms of competition, you mean? No, I wouldn't say in terms of competition, in terms of quality. Okay. Where the market's now flooded with a bunch of, well, you call them bookies. They're a bunch of bookies that, um, that, that may not, they, they may not run their book like a business. So it sounds like there are then a spectrum of people involved and some are treating it as a truly as a business with sophistication and you know a lot of different tools and, and things to make it run smoothly and then others might be just jumping in because they can, it's easy enough and grab some, some PPH technology, have a few players and, and not think about it in the same way. That's, yes, that's accurate. So have you had any rude surprises in the first few years that you've encountered even, you know, more on the bookmaking side that you might've had to reach out to the dog father to, to discuss or, or even on the player side where there's been things that, that pop out that you were sort of, uh, taken, taken aback by. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. This is, this is a wacky, wacky industry in that sense. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of different scenarios that 
now that I'm a little bit more seasoned, uh, they don't shock me as much, but there are quite a few surprises in this industry. Tell me about the player side. Is that one of the, the key components of the marketing or the acquisition side that you got to spend a lot of time on? Yeah, I'd say it's maybe the most important thing as far as acquisitions and marketing. When I was a sub agent, I got my first players by just tapping my friend circle where I talked to, once I went all in, once I knew this is what I wanted to do, I talked to everybody I knew. I got back on Facebook. I got back on Instagram. I talked to everybody. I tried to be kind of coy or cagey about it at first as far as like what I wanted. But then I was like, stop doing that. Make your intentions clear. So I basically told my buddies, some guys that I hadn't talked to in 10, 15 years from high school, I'm taking action. If you like to gamble, do it with me. And that's how I got my first three or four guys. And then as you get guys, you're going to get super connectors. Super connectors are the guys that are going to bring you five, 10, 15 of their buddies. You make sure and take care of them as far as bonuses, as far as cash back. And then it grows. I jumped on Twitter. I uh, jumped on Twitter January of 2018. And I started navigating those waters, which is Oh, Twitter. It's, it's, it's a fucking cesspool, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so before that, was it Facebook? Was it friends of friends of friends and just a broadening of network and that ripple effect along those lines? Or were there other ways to do it? Yes. Yeah, so it was for me, it was friends of friends of friends, broadening that net, broad, broadening, broadening. I like the way you say it better. Yes. Expanding that network. And then, um, I mean, the most important thing you can do is you pay out your players and you pay them out quickly. You pay them on demand. So you make sure if you can do that, then you're the solution to everybody's problem. You're a reliable book. You're a reliable local guy that actually pays their players because that's like a, and it seems like in the industry right now, that seems like a magic trick, which it's just common sense, but it's, it's not practiced much where getting stiffed is very, very common in this industry. And is it players getting stiffed or bookies getting stiffed or is it a bit of both or how does it typically go? Both. It's yeah. definitely both. If there's, there's plenty of players that have, they've been up thousands and they can't get a hold of their bookie and vice versa. It's yeah. both. If you're in this industry, you're going to get stiffed. Even if it's post up chargebacks exist where if a guy sends you $500, he may rip it back out of your say cash app. You may get a notification two, three months down the line. This has been reversed for whatever reason. Interesting, because even in any other line of business, you call Walmart and try and get someone on the phone, customer service-wise, or you try and send something back, or you know the old days when you take it back to the store and you try and understand if things are possible just from a business operation standpoint and customer service and taking care of your people. There's always horror stories, and it's, you know you think about like your mobile phone and trying to figure those things out, your internet these days, it's not that simple. So it sounds like maybe there isn't necessarily always a, a secret source or a spectacular hidden gem that exists. It's treat your people right and, and it'll probably go a long way. If you treat your people right, if you pay your players on time, if you get back to them in a quick manner, you provide good customer service, you're going to grow. You have no choice but to grow. And then the most important thing, it's like catching touchdowns in the NFL. If you pay your guys on time, you will grow. So Twitter bookmakers are a thing. I figured after spending some time on gambling Twitter over the years as <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah. it's 
it's a scary world because it obviously, you know, there's no KYC. You don't know who you're dealing with necessarily. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Is it as difficult for someone like yourself or is it, are there tricks and tips to try and figure things out or there's referrals and, you know, you can get people to vouch for other people and stuff like that that, that may help because it seems tough. It's tough, but it's doable. Uh, there, you just have to, you have to gain social proof and it takes a while. Like I remember, I remember vividly my first guy that sent me $500. I was, my hands were shaking. I was so excited that somebody finally sent me money. They had to trust me that I'm not going to screw them over. So it starts where you have to, you basically have to gain social proof. Then, then you almost, this is the philosophy or this is the mentality you need to have. You need to look forward to paying your guys if you're trying to market that way on social media, because then your guys, then you ask them, can you tweet this out? Can you screenshot a receipt of this Venmo transaction? Can you give me a shout out so I can retweet it? So that's kind of how it builds. And then guys talk. Guys slide into each other's direct messages and they talk. So that's, that's how you build that social proof of a book that actually pays. And that's not going to go anywhere because for, I'd say there's five or 10 Twitter books out there that are reliable. And then the rest of them, they disappear in a month or two. And any, and any Twitter book or any social media offering you credit run. It's just, it's, it's a red flag for you're going to get screwed. So there's plenty of international listeners, I'm sure to this episode, wondering like what on earth we're talking about and how on earth it works, especially in the, the jurisdictions that have, they're corporate and, and legal books that, that run and have run forever. Uh, sure. And ha- what's the mentality like for the players? Because, you know, people have obviously seen the movies of like private poker rooms or they've seen all the different, you know, underground casinos and, and you know, back in the days of Prohibition, all those bars and, and speakeasies and all that type of stuff. Is it something akin to that or is it just a regular average, you know, general business that people are are running where there's demand from the players who who want to do it and there's people out there that are able to to service that there's some differences there's what we got to do to separate ourselves is we got to offer better bonuses and then we shoot them that cash app sunday night and it's right into their account i'm talking about post up the way i structured it is i did 20 percent bonus with no rollover for all my players and then i protected myself with a green figure and then it's the customer service, where if you try to get a hold of a big book, I'm sure it's a process or you have to wait for an email to get back. With me, you text me or you call me and I pick up the phone. So those are the differences where I have better bonuses and the customer service is good and then I can pay you immediately. And that's the beauty about all these money apps and it's only growing and expanding and getting more prevalent and more accepted and more anonymous that... There's so many different ways to pay guys on demand and vice versa to receive money, to bring money in and then pay money out. So that's the big difference. And also, it was a great question that you answered, or excuse me, that you asked, Jake, where it's how do we compete against each other? And I don't compete with big books. I'm looking for, as a local book, you need to be looking for your 50 to 150 players. And then you need to kick ass and then you need to keep them in your shop. By kicking ass, by giving them free play on the holidays, by answering their questions, by working with them sometimes, 
that's all you're looking for. You're looking for your 50 to 150 players. Tell me, tell me about the credit aspect because I'm sure there's people who are probably thinking, gee, that sounds like it'd keep you up every night. Definitely manageable. Yeah, you can have those nervous times, but a player's going to tell you very, very quickly whether or not they can handle credit or not it, within the first week or so of you issuing them credit. And then you just start small. 500 bucks, 300 bucks, $250, $1,000, whatever the operator, when I say operator, the bookmaker, me or you or anybody else that's going to start booking, whatever they're comfortable issuing out. And you need a referral too, where if you're going to get credit with me, you need to be a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend. And I know some bookmakers that will say, hey, this is on you if this gentleman defaults. I don't really necessarily like to do that, but you really need social linkage or some type of chain of accountability. But even then, guys are going to default, meaning that they're not going to pay. And then the best advice I can give would be to simply forget about it or forgive it. So is it trending towards credit or it's trending towards post-up or is it always going to be a combo? I'm fortunate where I'm diversified. I, I pulled my numbers for the last month and I average 130 active per week, 79 on post up and then 50 on credit. So I'm fortunate where the majority of my players are post up, but these, these 50 credit players, they're solid players or they would no longer have credit. The credit would either be reduced or they just generally it's just you switch them to post up where if I had a player, for example, I think it was over three, four hundred dollars. I'll text gentlemen uh, Monday. Monday's our settle day. So I'll text them Monday at noon and I'll just say, hey, good afternoon, Steve. Cleared on the week. Your balance is three hundred dollars. Thank you. I didn't hear from Steve Monday, so I texted him Tuesday morning now. And I say, Steve, following up, is it okay if we get you cleared? I didn't hear from Steve Tuesday. So I called on Wednesday, didn't pick up. Then I got his referral involved. And his referral is a really solid guy, and I've booked him for a long time. And when you get a referral involved, generally it's like, oh, good Lord, let me call the guy. Let me get a hold of him. The referral is going to help you out. So Steve finally got back to me, and he said he was you know, away from his phone. For a couple of days, because that's a thing now. You're always away from technology for a couple of days. <laughs> so uh, he just said, yeah, I'll, uh, uh, I'll send it to you right now. And Steve sent it to me. And I said, thank you, Steve. And I go, hey, let's do this. Let's switch you to post up. And I can bonus you at 20%. And Steve said, so I don't have any more credit anymore. And I go, no, this is going to be a better route for you because it's going to extend your money a little bit more. So what I did is I... I guess instead of telling Steve to fuck off or this isn't how you do things or like, you know, why are you late with my money? I just steered him toward post up and I still book Steve. And whenever Steve wants to gamble, he'll send me a hundred bucks or 150 bucks or 200 bucks and then I'll stick it in his account. So that's a better route for Steve because it got really, really murky with credit. And when it gets murky, I'm just no longer comfortable. And, that's another big thing about really running your business like a business. If you're not comfortable with a certain situation, with any situation, you're within your rights to get yourself to a more 
I just a more comfortable manner, especially when we're dealing with money and gambling. Are there often scenarios where you need to walk someone through or hold their hand through how it all works in the beginning? Uh, let's say they've met a friend at the pub or they're at a coffee shop and so on and so forth, and they find find this business. Are they always aware of how it works? Is it easy enough to pick up, or does it take you know handholding for a moment to get them through either a week or the first month or whatever it might be? Because I think you know I've never had a local bookie. I don't understand the business at all. I think I'm if you're a grade three or whatever, I'm I'm just out of the womb at this point, and. You know, besides watching The Sopranos or watching some mafia movies, and obviously that's clearly the wrong picture to paint. I'm guessing for the vast, vast majority. But <laughs> I went to bed at nine o'clock last night. Okay, I got up early. <laughs> I got up early and I stretched and I played golf. Exactly, no <laughs> cigars and, and whiskey before lunchtime. But that's kind of unfortunately, or whatever you want to say, is is sometimes where it starts. But is it for the play on the player side? Do you have to handhold for for a lot of them? Occasionally a rare one, but that's that goes to being in a really good operator and, and providing really, really good customer service. And if you can handhold and kind of guide a player through certain things, then he's going to be a long-time player because he trusts that he can answer you those questions. And the, and the curve is, it's a small curve where you hit minus 110 or you hit the money line button or you put a parlay together. So when it gets a little bit more like an open-ended parlay or like what's a teaser, what's a round robin, yeah, I'm happy to answer any of those questions for my players, but that's, that goes back to being exceptional at customer service, which you need to do. Um, and as far as just, I want to address this, there shouldn't be ever any type of violence in this industry. This is, this is purely a business. And if you get stiffed, it happens. You need to write it off as bad debt, or you literally need to forgive the debt and move them to post up. But there's no violence. There's there's not even a hint of violence. It's yeah. What is it? You don't break the law while you're breaking the law, right? So this is this is a gray industry. This is a gray market. Don't be that guy. Don't be a tough guy. It's not like it is on on television. It's it's fifty bucks on the Dodgers. Is that what the players are like, or at least over the last few years? Because nowadays you're certainly seeing far more. Uh, possibilities when it comes to player props and same game parlays and all these different things. Has it moved more from $50 on the Mets or $50 on the Yankees type type betting towards prop betting, parlays, you know, teasers and all these types of things? Or has that always well, been the case for you? It's always been the case. And bookmakers hate props. We hate props. We hate them. We can get, I have a negative hold on props. I get beat up on props. Parlays, we love them. Uh, props, we absolutely hate them. What about pregame? Uh, sorry, live betting versus pregame. Is live becoming more prominent these days? Yes. Uh, players love live. They absolutely love it. As a bookmaker, I maintain a high hold percentage against live where uh, I have a 20-cent margin, excuse me, a 40-cent margin to start off with, so it's minus 120 both sides. Because live, I treat it more like a novelty because there's so much variation and it's moving so fast. So they're... There are times where it's human error or it's some type of computing error. So live betting is live betting and props are where I can really get. If you're a, a really sharp player, you can really uh, beat up. I've gotten really beat up on live and prop bets by specific players. And are your players just the 
you know, the stereotypical middle-aged man who has an office job is an accountant type thing? Or do you see, you know, smarter groups? Do you find people are betting with bots or are you getting into that territory because that's just the nature of these things? Uh, yes to all. I don't, you know, I don't, it's so funny where in this industry, everything's done through text. Like 99.9% of things are done through text where I trust men with thousands and thousands of dollars and hopefully vice versa. And we've never met or interacted over the phone. I've booked guys for years where I I don't know what they look like, but I mean, the Apple pay goes back and forth. So it's, it, that's rapport and honor. And so I'm not sure it, but it varies. I'll, I'll book gentlemen in their, uh, their fifties, their sixties, but it's the industry now is on both sides of the counter, uh, bookmaker and player. It's just getting younger and younger where I book a whole lot of like 22 to 25 year olds. I book a shit ton of them and it, and it varies. The older gentlemen, they have more expendable income, so they bet a little bit more, but the younger guys, they'll bet 10, 20 bucks a game. And I'm totally fine with that too. So you mentioned the, the honor part and obviously gambling comes with gambling debts and just the way it works on both sides. And it sounds like there are some, some bookies that probably skip town and there's others that are far more decent. Um, have you had many experiences on that front where you've needed to, you know, chase debts or, you know, the honor aspect of gambling? Cause a lot of people still say to this day that the gambling industry, uh, is a place where there is a lot of honor. There is a lot of respect. There is that type of, uh, approach by most people, because if you want to be in it for the longer term, you have to have those qualities. Otherwise you're going to probably get left behind and you stiff one person or, or whatever you get stiff, then that spreads pretty quickly and it's going to be pretty difficult. So have you found that honor is something that's clearly uh, permeating through your world or is it something that you think might be lacking? I think the market's gotten so big where it's gotten watered down where a lot of people, they see opportunities to take advantage and they just do. Um, There's a lot more delusion, I think, in the world now than ever before uh, and a lot more justifications for bad behavior or non-payment. Yeah, if you're going to be a book... That's, that's the most important thing where if somebody comes in and kicks your ass, you can show them the door, but you need to show them the door with a check. So you need to cash them out and then show them the door. Uh, you can't, yeah, if you're a bookie, you can stiff guys and you can still run your business and things like that, but it's, I don't want to get metaphysical here, but it's, it's terrible energy. And, and you know what? I take pride in saying that I don't know anybody a dollar for whatever reason. I've, I've paid my debts. I don't carry in any of them and I've never stiffed anyone. Everyone's gotten paid. I can say that with pride because it's true. So that's really important to me. And that's, that just, that has to be at the head of the line that has to be at the top of the pyramid that if you're going to get into this, you, you damn sure better be well-funded and you better know how to mitigate risk and you better not blow up your own bankroll on your own gambling debts. And don't give, if a sharp group comes in 
or if somebody just beats you up on lines, don't don't give the excuse of oh you're sharp or oh this is a group or this is a VPN. Don't 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 do that. Pay them out. You want to show them the door, show them the door. But you have to pay in this business. Interesting. So I'm interested in the player side in terms of problem gambling because it's a well-known aspect of all gambling, whether it's a slot machine, a roulette table, you know, an internet casino, whatever it might be, to betting sports all the way through to playing poker or, you know, office pools to everything. So how is it in this industry, in this business treated? Is it left alone and ignored? Is it something that you have to actively monitor? Because I think there's in some strange way, a mutual benefit for not wanting someone to get in deep or get in trouble or, or the proverbial, you know, lose the mortgage type thing. But it's also, it's a tough one because it it's varies by person. It varies by their own income and so on. So how, how is it addressed or treated or, or what type of energy goes into talking about those types of things? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I think it has to be actively monitored and, you, you never want to take a guy's last dollar and you, you never want, you know what it is. You never want players gambling with more than they, than they can afford to lose. Just like I can never book more than I can afford to pay out. Um, I'll check in with my players. I'll, I'll literally, I'll text them and I'll say, Hey, checking in like you're down this much. Uh, do you want me to view only your account do you want me to I have, lower your limits as far as your max bet, things like that? Because uh, we deal with addicts. Let's just be blunt about it. I I deal with addicts and I, I facilitate addict behavior. So I'll check in with the players and uh, I'll ask them what I can do to help. Guys have asked me to shut down their accounts. I've shut down their accounts. Uh, one player, he's a post-up player, and he said after or February 7th, don't book me until February 7th. And I go, okay, but if you send me money, I will not credit your account. So don't send me you know, 100 bucks because you won't get it until February 7th. So those are certain things I can do. Sometimes guys have problems with a casino. Depending on software, you can just turn the casino off, which is very simple. So it's a thing. Yeah. You have to practice empathy because you don't want to take a gentleman's last dollar. That's I'm not, I am so not interested in any of that. Is money the source of the most problems in this business or are there other things that pop up that cause you, you know, sleepless nights or, or major issues that you have to deal with over time? Player side losing is the source of all problems. As far as player side, it's weird where they're, they're your best friend when they're, uh, when they're winning, but when they're losing, there's a lot of problems. I'm being facetious, of course, but the biggest problem, I mean, this business is real simple. You're, you're trying to take my money and I'm trying to take yours. And it's also for players, for most players, guys that aren't doing this as an investment vehicle, it's, it's about the sweat where they want to have a little bit more fun watching their team or the game. So the source of all problems, the source of all problems, you know, what? the source of all problems is betting more than you can afford to lose. I think that's the biggest source because that'd be the source of my, the sleepless nights have I had the guys that have kept me up. It's not that I haven't been able to pay them out. It's just that I don't want to. 
So I guess the source of all problems is, is gambling with more than one can afford to lose. Has the, the industry crept up on you over the last couple of years? And is it something you, you truly enjoy, you truly love, or is it something that is a means to an end and maybe it'll get to that point, but not necessarily today? Well, I'm really excited about the PPH resale side. That's what I'm, I'm focused on now. I got off Twitter, so I don't, I don't acquire players via Twitter any longer. I just, I'm, I'm so fortunate where I grow from referral only now. So it's really organic and guys get incentivized to send me their buddies. And um, I'm really excited about continuing to learn about the industry and the art of being a better bookmaker and then continuing to connect with a bookmaking community. And I started putting my stuff out there because I just wanted to share my experience. And it's, it's been really fun where I get contacted by veteran bookmakers that have questions, veteran bookmakers that want to check out the site, possibly switch over, save some money on PPH fees. And then a lot of brand new bookmakers that have been fascinated by the concept of becoming a book, but didn't really know where to get started, or they just had a couple of questions or needed some advice. So that's what I'm most interested in now. I'm interested in continuing to learn about how to facilitate the software correctly and make sure other people are having a good experience and growing their business. What does the changing landscape mean for you and the business across sports, especially just given how things are are evolving in the US and, and changing? And it might be a few years down the road at this point, given it is slowly creeping up to you know a dozen states and so on. But ha- have you seen a market shift or a change or players saying, hey, I'm, I'm going over to, to this one instead or anything like that? It's usually the opposite, where guys are sick of DraftKings or, or the big boys and they want to come to something local. The neat thing about it continuing to expand is the, um, the lack of stigma, where it's, it's so much more accepted now that it's – it's, it's just not that big of a deal. So that's the nice thing where the, uh, the stigma, it's, it's similar to marijuana, I'd say, in the States. Because 10 years ago, it was just starting to get decriminalized and medical marijuana came out. And now it's, it's you know, it's in L.A. County, at least, it's, it's everywhere where it's just so prevalent and it's not a big deal anymore. So that's the nice thing about the change in market where it's just not that big of a deal anymore if you want to gamble on sports so an extension to that what does the next few years hold for you are you still in the business are you expanding are you happy with the status quo do you expect any major shifts or or changes that might impact you or are you just happy to hum along how it's going now i'm happy to hum along how it's going now and it's just slow and steady it's like chicken just just low and slow continue to just slowly build slowly expand and continue to learn about this industry, uh, continue to pick the dog father's brain. That's my uh, co-podcast. He's the engine behind that podcast, by the way. And continue to just get better and uh, help more people while, while expanding the business. So I, I must ask you before I let you go about the podcast and the, the YouTube videos and some of the content out there, what was the the reason behind that? What was the impetus to start putting out some of that? And and it 
I like listening because it sounds like you guys are enjoying yourself having a chat about these different things. There's some great stuff to pick up along the way as well for players or whoever it might be who's interested in this space. Um, there's always a, a couple of things I take from from spending the time listening through. Right on. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. Uh, it was I, I couldn't find anybody else that was doing it. So I thought it was kind of a neat niche where just talk about being a local PPH book and talk about your experiences, what you've gone through, how you've dealt with certain things. Mostly it's how you deal with adversity because how you deal with success is that's really up to you. I know plenty of bookies that blow all their money. Uh, I know very few that save it and invest it. So it was, it was an opportunity to kind of share my story, utilize the vast knowledge that the dog father has and put it out there and uh, attract some business. Well, T, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. And maybe once my uh, level of understanding elevates a bit further up, we can do this again sometime. But it was cool hearing uh, you know, about you and the business and, and your story and how things work. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm.